Hello and welcome to the European Hoops Podcast. We are a Sports Eaters presentation. We bring you all the coverage you need of the EuroLeague. Three times a week, every Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we recap and preview all the action and cover all the news surrounding the competition. Join us on this ride and learn more about some of the best basketball played in the world. Make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing to the podcast and follow us on Twitter at Eaters EuroLeague. My name is Andre and this is my co-host Diogo Valent. How are you doing? Are you recovered from all the emotions and surprises from this round of EuroLeague? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm ready <laughs> to get to it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it started. Let's go. On the, this episode we will be recapping all the action from round 26 starting on Campazzo debut on this edition of EuroLeague passing by Bielica return for from injury and ending in the surprise win of uh, Milano over Olympiacos. On the news front we have seen reports that Misic probably won't be needing surgery. That's a very good news and uh, he's hopeful to be able to return this season. But we will get to the impact of his absence once we recap, recap the FS game. Pangos will be playing this Sunday for Milano while Shields is probably to be joining the team on the following week so the, this Milano team in a very good momentum will be adding or getting back to very important players for them. On the less positive news we saw Walter Tavares uh, leaving the game with an, with an ankle injury that looked serious he might be missing sometimes and uh, Paiola also so suffered a bad ankle injury on the Virtus game. But uh, we will get to all that when we recap each game for each team. Let's start in Bayern where the home team received and beated Red Star 87-80. This was, uh, let's call it a half surprise. The MVP of the game was Vladimir Lucic. It, Bayern team plays way better having him. Lucic had 20 points and one rebound. Cassius Winton had 20 points and one assist. While the best for the visiting team was Nedovic with 15 points, three rebounds and four assists. Red Star showed confidence early in the game, having Campazzo available to play, but they struggled to be consistent during the whole game. Red Star was ahead four points heading into the fourth quarter after Cassius Winton doing most of the damage for Bayern. Lucic was able to take over the game and with eight points in a row got Bayern down two points, 66-68. Bayern was able to take advantage of Red Star's struggles to, to defend on ball and to protect their basket. They had a great fourth quarter behind the performance of Lucic, Lucic and Wittstam uh, to get this win. Whoever listens to this podcast from the start knows that uh, you are a big Lucic uh, fan. You, were you surprised by this win from uh, Bayern Munich? No, I, I wasn't surprised. Uh, even though all three of us picked uh, Red Star to win, um, we all agreed that Bayern would be a, a very tough matchup for them. And we already know Trincheri is a great coach. So, and with Lucic coming back, uh, obviously it was going to be a, a tough game for both teams. Bayern was ready to play. Obviously, Lucic is a, a, a big difference maker for that team. Uh, the game was pretty close throughout. Then Red Star got a, a little bit of an advantage. And Lucic, like you said, he carried them back into the game. Uh, I mean, he's obviously always been a, a very elite defender, but over the years, the way he has developed his offensive game is just amazing to see. Uh, they obviously needed him. Then uh, in the last five minutes, Red Star with a couple of bad decisions offensively and also with Nerovic on the bench, like we talked about on the previous episode, I would have Kampazu and Nerovic to close games, but that's, that's Ivanovic's option. 
Uh, and then Bayern was just more consistent uh, in the end, and they ultimately got the win. Very well. Another thing that I thought it was worth noting was that Red Star, in uh, late in the game, they went to some Campazzo, Vildoza, Nedovic lineups. The, after Lutzic basically got uh, Bayern back into the game 66-68, Red Star went into this lineup and they were extremely aggressive, like mostly gambling on the fence and trying to, to provoke turnovers. They managed to get the game 66-75 with this lineup, but then we saw their defensive uh, struggles with Bayern being able to make adjustments and take advantage of uh, they playing the three guards at the same time. They were forced to put Nedovic on the, bank, on the bench. Do yeah, and, that, that... and that's that's when the offensive struggles uh, uh, came alive. Like when Nedovic went to the bench, uh, I saw. I think Vild, uh, it was Vildoza who who took a couple of bad shots in a row, yeah. and then Bayern scored on the other side. So uh, I think Nedovic uh, gives them a better consistency offensively uh, at the end of games. Even though it could be a problem on the defensive end, they have to find a way to hide him, and that's the only way they can compete in these close games at the end. Yeah, and we were seeing uh, mostly Kampazma and Nedovic drives to the basket being a big part of what, how Red Star was succeeding on offensively. Uh, do, do you think that we can see Vildoza sitting late on, on games? I know you have said it on, on the last podcast that you think that the best closing lineup will be with Kampazma and Nedovic, but do you see Ivanovic going to that? Yeah, I don't know because um, Vildoza has been the, the guy per se, on their team uh, when Campazzo was out, but they have to adjust. And I really think out of those three, um, Nedovic is the best offensive player. Uh, I think he's the best shooter. I think he's the best driver to the basket out of those three to score. Uh, Campazzo can drive better, but it's usually to, to kick it out. Uh, so I think Campazzo as the, the lead point guard, the floor general, I think it makes much more sense to pair him with Nedovic in the end of games than with Luka Villosa. But obviously, they're all three great players. I just think that's the better, the better combination. But for me, what uh, what was interesting was that uh, we could see, uh, at least in my point of view, we could see that uh, the two best options in this game were both Campazzo and Nedovic, and he still went with Vildoza. I don't know if it's status. Like, of course, Vildoza has played very well this season, and he deserves to have that status within the team. But uh, it didn't seem to be the best decision for uh, for for Red Star in this game, and it might have been a costly uh, loss for them because now they they stand in thirteen in the standings. They are two wins behind uh, the eighth place, and uh, they have Milano and Bayern breathing on their necks, just one win below them. And uh, I think this might have been it for for them. I I don't I don't see Red Star being able to climb all the way back into into yeah. playoff contention. And, and the eighth seed has one less game. So if FS mm. wins the that game, I think it's against Real Madrid. Yeah. Uh, if FS wins that game, then they are three games behind the eighth seed. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be very tough for them to be able to get back to that position. Yeah, uh, and this was a very, a very tough loss. Yeah, and it's very different if they were in ninth place, two wins be behind uh, the eighth seed, or eventually three wins behind yeah. the eighth seed, than being on thirteenth place with uh, other four teams that they need to leapfrog to to get there because they have Maccabi, Valencia, Algiers, Virtus all in front of them, that are all teams that will still be trying to compete to to make it in the playoffs, and mostly teams like Maccabi might 
be as strong or even stronger than this Red Star team is. So I see it being very hard for them to, to make it in the playoffs. I agree. I agree. Let's move on to the next game. And this was a bit of a blowout. We had Barcelona receiving Zalgiris and uh, winning 93-74. The MVP of this game was Nikola Mirotic and he absolutely dominated any matchup he, he found on this game. Mirotic had 28 points and two rebounds with one steal. Satoransky was the second best player for Barcelona with 12 points, two rebounds and five assists. And he clearly is the engine that makes this uh, offense work. For the visitor, Birutis with 12 points, four rebounds and one block was the, the best player. Barcelona execution and depth was too much for Zalgiris to handle on this game. It was an absolutely dominant performance with the home team ending the, the game with 26 assists. Zalgiris struggled to find solutions solutions against the powerful Barcelona. And when they had to go into their bunch rotation, the only way that uh, we saw them being able to score was with uh, fast transitions. They, they really couldn't... Uh, handle Barcelona in the, in the half course. The flow of Barcelona's offense was very impressive on this game and they are always able to find the mismatches that they are looking for to be able to, to get uh, easy baskets. They always have three or four shooters on the floor so it makes the roller life much easier and they are able to either take advantage of the roller or to find uh, an open shooter and uh, they are playing at a, a very 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 high level how well is this Barcelona playing do you man the, they are playing at such an elite level uh before I get into the game let me just say one thing uh, I'm gonna make my official pick for the <laughs> for the Euroleague title this year and I'm going to take Barcelona because the, I think obviously they always had they always had a, an amazing roster, but this year there there is one big difference. They have Sadoransky now, and I think um, they usually play very well during the regular season. And then when he when he gets to that time, uh, they can win. But uh, right now, I think Sadoransky is that guy that when things start to go bad, if they they start to go bad, uh, I think Sadoransky is going to be that guy that's going to say, "Hey, calm down." Let's get back to playing basketball. And he's going to control the pace. He's going to control the offense. And I think they're, they're going to be just fine. With the way they're playing right now, uh, I got to go with them. So uh, now, I'm so glad to hear you saying that because I have them in first in my power rankings. And I do think that Fenerbahce, with uh, their current team, and we will get to their game, they, they, they have a word to say as the, the best team in the Euro. Yeah, yeah, of but, course, of course. But I uh, had Barcelona in my power rankings, and let's share a conversation that me and you had enough about uh, Barcelona. The, this being the year that Barcelona puts it all together and, and gets the EuroLeague title. I, yeah. I, I start seeing flashes of that. And for me, Satora uh, Mirotic is the best player for Barcelona. I think so, yes. But I think Satoransky is the more influential player in the Euroleague this, in this edition because of yeah. his ability to play both sides of the court and uh, having a player like him to whom you can give the ball and he can control the, the whole game. I think that's a, a massive difference for, for Barcelona that can right. put them and, as the like number said, one contenders. Yeah. Like I said on the previous episode, uh, we were talking about uh, the best roster in EuroLeague and we were discussing Barcelona and Fenerbahce. Uh, what I said was, I think in that matchup, Barcelona would have the two best players on the floor with Saransky and Mirotic. I don't know if you agree with me. I think yeah, you do. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I think 
I, I also say this on the last last podcast. It will require for Bielitsa to be playing at his highest level for Fenerbahce to be able to to compete with that. I'm not even saying that he will be in contention to one of the best players of the of the game. I, mm-hmm. I will still pick Mirotic above him. I just think that um, Fenerbahce offensive uh, solutions with him playing at a very good level might be able to match the ability that these two players have for Barcelona. I think yeah. that that's the key for Fenerbahce. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Those will be the yes. two best players of the game or the two most influential yeah, and, players and, in the and game. And I don't think that's just against Fenerbahce. They might, they might have that argument against other top teams. So I'm really looking forward to see what Barcelona does this year in the playoffs because they've been disappointing us for, for quite a few years now. And I, I, I do think this might be the year that they get it together. But now back to the game. <laughs> uh, I mean, Barcelona did a, a very good job on pick and roll defense because they were aggressive showing and pushing uh, Zalgiris guards to close to the half court. But after that, um, Zalgiris was able to, to break their defenders one-on-one and they were getting to the paint. But once the, the rotation started for Zalgiris, uh, their offense kind of broke down a little bit. And on the other side, Barcelona is just playing such a lead offense. Uh, I really don't remember seeing them play this well. Uh, the design plays that they're coming out of timeouts and to start quarters are, are just elite. Uh, they always have shooters on the court. They they always have smart big men that can pass. So, I, man, they're playing such high-level basketball. Uh, Mirotic had his way against whoever was guarding him, whether it was Roland Smith, whether it was Ulanovic. It, it didn't matter. Like the The amount of times that he was trying to get the position in the post and they were fronting him, and he got um, he, he found a way to get the ball uh, over the the defenders. The, obviously, great passes from Vezeli and the rest of the guys. Uh, they just went high low a lot of times, and Mirotic had a near perfect game. I think he missed two shots, so it was a very good game by him and by Barcelona overall. The the assist numbers at one one point was twenty two for Barcelona and five for Zalgiris. I think it ended like. 25 let me just let me just check 26 assists against 11 so very high high level basketball from Barcelona and Zalgiris uh, this could be a, a tough loss for them obviously we, we all expected them to lose this game but because of the standings and how close that is for those last spot, uh, playoff spots uh, I think this could be tough for them uh, I don't see them making the playoffs but Obviously, they're going to keep fighting and it's going to be a, a battle until the end of the season. And on the next episode, when we are previewing the next round, we will go in depth into the the playoff battle and all these teams that are battling to, to get the, the last playoff seeds. And we will go in depth what uh, what is the schedule looking like for the teams and try to figure out which one of them are making it. What about Barcelona? That's that's exactly on point. Mirotic missed four, four shots on this game, but he was like incredible uh, d- during the whole game. And what for me is even more impressive about this team is that their ceiling is not even close to be reached because... This game is not a great example because it was a blown up. But Satoransky played 18 minutes and 57 seconds. But for the season, he's not playing that much more. He's playing 24 minutes. So they have the ability, if they want to, to even get more minutes from these players. Even if you up two, three minutes from um, 
from Sato, two, three minutes from Mirotic, you are able to have this top performance, performing at this level when you get to a playoff series, to a final four, and that makes their ceiling being even higher than what we are seeing at the moment, and that's pretty yeah, and impressive. Uh, I honestly believe that um, for them to, to keep this level in the playoffs, I think the rotation must be a bit uh, shortened because uh, you can clearly see a difference uh, in the offense when Sadoransk is on the court and when he's not. So uh, I think his minutes need to go up at least. I'm not even saying in the playoffs because they're probably going to get an eight seed or a seven seed. That I think they should be fine. But uh, come if when it comes to the Final Four, uh, I really think they got to go with Sato close to them 30 minutes. Uh, and same thing with Miritic because they can't afford to lose again. Like yeah. they, they've lost the last couple of years when they were considered, if, if, if not the favorites, at least one of the favorites. So they got to win, man. They, they got to take advantage of the roster they have. Their window, I mean, obviously, they're always going to have great teams. They're Barcelona. But they, their window with this roster, I think it's closing a little bit. So they have to win. Yeah, I, I really see this being their year. I, you were mentioning about the getting uh, eight seed, and uh, I was laughing because it might be Efes. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and, it and, might be Efes. And listen, I, I think that might be the only way that I don't pick Barcelona because they've had such a, a bad matchup with Efes lately. I, I think they lost both games this year. Uh, so I think that's going to be a, a very hard playoff series for Barcelona to win. And maybe I would favor Efes. But other than Efes, I think Barcelona is going to be just fine against anybody. And I think they, they are the favorites if they don't catch Efes in the first round. I will I will even favor them against Efes. I think that Barcelona size and uh, Barcelona forwards might be a bit of an advantage in a matchup against Efes. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just saying, considering the, the latest matchups, uh, Efes has came out on top most of the time. So that's why uh, I would give it to them. Yeah, for sure. I, I honestly, the only matchup I wouldn't like to see in the, the first round was Olympiacos against Efes. Like Olympiacos is playing such a good basketball and we will preview the their surprising loss on this round, but we will recap the, the surprising loss that they had on this round. But they are playing such a good basketball that... Uh, if they were to have to, to play Efes, it would be almost unfair. The basketball gods shouldn't do that <laughs> to them. Not that they couldn't win. They can win for sure. But when we made the power rankings, I, I gave my thesis of why Olympiacos is... Uh, I, I ranked them in the fourth place, I believe, or in fifth place. I think fourth place in the, the power rankings. And um, it's because they don't have the go-to guy. And if they had landed a guy like Dorsey, I think it would address... In, in part that but uh, yeah it will be a very hard matchup for them to go against Efes but uh, let's continue to talk Efes and let's move on to their game where they visited Paratinaikos and won 82-87 the MVP of this game was Will Clyburn the, he scored 24 points 7 rebounds 4 assists and 2 steals Larkin had 13 points 1 rebound 10 assists and 1 steal and Grigonis was the, the best for Paratinaikos with 23 points, one rebound, four assists and one steal. Paratinaikos started the game well with good ball sharing and they were able to find some easy baskets early in the game. FS size gave the home team some issues with uh, 
the defending champions being dominant after the the first quarter when Paratinaikos was was being able to compete. Larkin Clyburn and Elijah Bryant's performances plus the dominance of their bigs, mainly Zizic and Plyce, were the key for for FS to to get the win in the end of this game. We saw some very good pick and roll action between Larkin and Plyce, and uh, that was giving you some flashes of uh, what Ephes is able to do if they they play in the flow of the offense. They can be really good, but uh, at spaces and many times they will still going into ISO options, mainly with Clyburn, and uh, of course Clyburn is able to do it and he performs at a very high level. But they don't make their own life easier, as you have spoken many times about. This was a, a very good win for Ephes against Paratinaikos, and uh, this put them in the eighth seed. Are they able to breathe now of relief? I wouldn't say breathe because the other teams are right there. I mean, Partizan, Basconia, Maccabi, Valencia. Um, but it's definitely a very good win. Uh, this was a, a tough road game. Panathinaikos is always very, very good at home. But like we talked about on the preview, um, FH needed to, to push the pace, shoot some threes, and then punish them inside because outside of Papagiannis, they, they didn't have enough size to, to match up with Efes. Um They did a good job guarding Dwayne Bacon and Derek Williams. They only combined for nine points. And f- I finally got to see Grigonich play at a high level. Uh, I, <laughs> I thought he was going to be much better for Panathinaikos this season, but he had a very good game. But uh, Clyburn, Elijah Bryant and Larkin, they, they just stepped up and they, and they got the win. Uh, without Misic, we obviously know that the ball is going to be on, on their hands a lot. And they, they stepped up to it. Clapham with 24, Larkin with a double-double with assists. So it's a very good win for them. Very important win too. Yeah, Larkin's playmaking on this game was, was very important and it was really good to see them being able to, yeah, to do so. I think he heard he heard that I didn't have them. I didn't have him top five <laughs> in either point guard or shooting guard. Not me and <laughs> Thiago also. So I think he was mad and he, he tried to show that it was a, a very good point guard. Yeah, he's an elite player for sure. And uh, he, it's good to see that he's also getting into shape and being able to perform at this highest level. The the team really needs him, especially now that Misic is out for some time. It was very good that uh, the news that uh, Misic is probably going to be able to come back. And I think that uh, this FS team has enough to, to, to make into the playoffs even without Misic. It's it's extremely important for them to be able to to have Misic back, and I think that will be key for them to compete into in the playoffs and in a potential final four against these top teams. Yeah, and I think they still have a chance to to peak at the right time because they still have about ten games left, nine games left, um, and their schedule. They have a couple of tough games, but I think they have a, a favorable schedule to to guarantee a playoff position. And I, I think they're going to do it. Uh, with Misic or without him, I think they're going to do it. And that's the thing about the game of basketball and when we are talking about the this elite level of competitions like um, like the EuroLeague is, it's about momentums and it's about uh, picking in the right time. And um, it's, it won't be surprising if FS in the end wins it all because they have the talent. They just need to put it all together in the right time. The teams cannot... Uh, let it drag for too long, and wait uh, that they will just get it all together when when the pl- once the playoff come because usually that usually do- doesn't work out, and we see it on NBA with teams like the Clippers, for example, that have been struggling with that. Man, come on! Why you gotta mention the Clippers, bro? 
<laughs> I think I think our listeners know who, who you cheer for on, on that competition. And, yes, uh, guys, I'm a Clipper fan. Don't judge me, please. <laughs> But uh, we see that uh, FAS is starting to put it all together and uh, it will be great for the competition if they are at that level and it will be a very promising first round of the playoffs uh, with them against whoever ends in the top four and it's to, to face them. Do you think that they still have a chance to get to the top four? I, I will say no myself. Nah, they, they're not making it. Nah, nah, nah. I Because think it's too late. It's too late for that. I, I think Fenerbahce, Barcelona, and Real Madrid—they are just uh, too good of a yeah, team they're, to, they're to lose enough winning. games. Yeah, 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 exactly. They're gonna keep winning games, and I think Olympiacos nah. will keep performing at a very high level. And uh, with five games difference between the teams, I, I don't see it. I, I can see them being able to catch Monaco if Monaco. Loses some games that they shouldn't. They are three games, but uh, FS has one game less. But it's not yeah, an but, easy game <laughs> that they yeah, have. But Monaco, Monaco, also like FS, the, they don't have a, the most difficult schedule. I mean, th yeah. they play each other uh, in Turkey, so that could be uh, a, a game to watch there. But other than that, I think Monaco is going to keep winning games as well. Yeah, uh, I think FS really needs to focus on a. That, that range of six to eight because I think that's the most realistic option. But let's move on to the next game and let's talk about Partizan receiving and beating Alba 88-74. The MVP of the game was Matias Lassart. Lassart had 10 points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals and one block and uh, in a game that wasn't one of His best ones this season, he still managed to, to be the MVP showing both his, the level he's performing at this season and uh, how important he is for this partisan team. Panther had uh, 16 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists and 3 steals. And Komaje had 9 points, 10 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal and 2 blocks for Alba. Alba came into this game as they had finished their previous one against Red Star and they were ahead 42-44 at halftime. Partizan came into the quart the third quarter with a lot of intensity. They were able to cause many turnovers from Alba. They started to share the ball on offense and uh, while shooting the lights out from, from three points with uh, scoring 12 from 20 attempts in the, in the first three quarters of the game. Alba showed at moments that uh, if a team doesn't come ready to play against them, they will be able to put up a fight and um, they are a very good team playing in transition. Once uh, Partizan was able to step up their defensive intensity, they they gave they they were able to remove that part of Alba's game and gave them they gave them trouble. We saw Alba over helping at moments in the game and it makes made the, the life for partisan shooters much easier on this game. What caught your eye on this game? And uh, I assume you weren't surprised that Partizan got this win. No, no. This is this was an expected win, uh, obviously. Um, I, I think what Alba did against Rest, Red Star was very hard to, to repeat. So we, we all picked Partizan to win. Uh, What caught my eye, though, I, I was expecting a, a much better game from Matias Lasort. Uh, I expected him to dominate Alba's bigs. And I, I don't think that happened, even though he was still the MVP. Um, yeah. That, yeah, was, that was no. interesting. We even saw at moments the Alba's bigs going at him and targeting him on offense. That was, that yeah. was like an interesting matchup on this, on this game. Yeah, yeah. but um, Kevin Potter is one of my favorite players. He, he has been for a few years now. Um, his ability to to shoot and to, to score is just elite. And then that, that third quarter was just pure dominance for Partizan. I mean, 
they showed that they are the better team. Uh, Alba couldn't mess with him in the third quarter. Uh, but, but obviously, when you shoot seven of eight from three in one quarter, uh, you're supposed to dominate the other team. So Partizan did a very good job there. And, and then the, on the fourth, even though Alba made a, a little run to start the fourth, uh, Partizan did a good job of help, holding on and secure the win. It was it was also an important win for them. This was a game that they couldn't lose. They now stand in sixth place, two wins behind Monaco in fifth, and uh, one win ahead uh, the playoff cut. Let's move on to the next game, and this was a bit of a surprise, not as much of Monaco getting the win, but the way they did it. Monaco won 86-67. The MVP of the game was your guy, Jordan Lloyd, with 18 points, four rebounds, four assists, and one steal. Donta Hall also had a very high-level performance for Monaco with 12 points, 10 rebounds, one assist and one block. And Wade Baldwin was the best for the, the visiting team with 70 points, six rebounds, three assists and two steals. It was uh, Monaco started better. They, they dominated the first quarter, but uh, Maccabi came back and they dominated the, the second and third, and third quarters of the game. In the fourth, behind an elite performance from Mokobo, the home team executed better and uh, with uh, a solid defensive performance took over the game to get this win. The key here for me was Monaco being able to step up their de def defense and um, for these teams, both uh, Monaco and Maccabi that are elite offensive teams, with some defensive struggles, and we spoke about it on the preview, uh, the ability to play some defense is key. And as we call it, this was a Diogo Valent matchup of the week, so I will give you the floor to break down this game and tell us what happened. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be, but it ended up not quite like that because Lorenzo Brown uh, didn't really show up. But going to the beginning of the game, uh, first quarter, Monaco did a, a very good job of staying consistent defensively. And then uh, playing one-on-one -on, -one on offense, they, they were able to, to break down their defenders, to kick it out or to score in the paint. Uh, Mike James started the game pretty well. Uh, then the, sec the second quarter was kind of the same, but on the opposite way. Maccabi uh, did a very good job defensively in the second quarter, and they, they made shots and they, they got the game close. Third quarter, Maccabi was still on top, but, but it was a very close quarter. And then Monaco just blew them out by 20 in the fourth. Like... Playing at home, um, they needed this win. To, otherwise, Partizan would be very close. So they had to win this game. Uh, Elio Kobo played a very good fourth quarter, either scoring the ball or driving and playing with uh, Donta Hall. So it was a very good win for Monaco. I expected a lot from a lot more from Lorenzo Brown because I really feel that Maccabi wasn't able to compete uh, in the fourth quarter, of course, because they didn't have Lorenzo Brown Uh, setting the tone for them throughout the game. Uh, Wade Baldwin played very good, but uh, he needed his partner to, to show up, and that didn't happen. So uh, I'm pretty sure Lorenzo's going to take this loss on him because he knows he's much better than this and he has to play better. But Wade Baldwin played great, so they had a chance to, to keep this game closer, but the, that fourth quarter was just super hard for them. Um, Monaco did a very good job playing defense on the fourth because they only allowed Maccabi to score eight points. And then on offense, like I said, Elio Kobo took over and it was a very good win for Monaco. Yeah, that fourth quarter was impressive, scoring 28 points and allowing only eight. 
uh, if Monaco is able to to perform defensively like this, then I I do believe in them as a final four team, because that has been the the problem for them. They they have a very elite offensive team, but uh, they are not not able to compete defensively against the best teams. Uh, at least so far, it has been like that. That's something that they need to improve, and we have heard yeah. for bo- from both players and coaches saying exactly that, and they were able to do it in this fourth quarter when they needed it. I, I've lost some confidence in them, actually, uh, since the start. Obviously, I was very high on them at the beginning. Uh, I, I feel like they need a, a scoring option uh, in the front court. You know, uh, Obviously, Mike James, Okobo, and Jordan Lloyd can all score with the best of them. But I feel like they need a scoring option on the front court. I think that's the only thing they're missing. And to compete with them other teams like Barcelona, Real Madrid, um, Fenerbahce, Olympiacos, it's going to be very tough. It's going to be tough because they don't have the size to to attack um, the other the other team's front court. Um, so I think that's a position they they lack, and they're going to have to address that next next year. But obviously they're a very good team and they can beat any of those. Uh, but I think I would fa- I would favor the the rest: uh, Olympiacos, yeah. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Fenerbahce. And at the beginning of the year, uh, I wouldn't say this. So uh, I've learned yeah. a lot from this year, uh, and I think they they need another piece. And basketball is is like we we just spoke. It's a game of momentums and. Uh... We will always be our analysis will be always influenced by recency bias. It it will always happen, <laughs> and we just saw Monaco having some struggles, so we will have them fresh in our heads. But the truth is, if we if we break down their team and we think about their front court players, they have very good players. Hall is a very good player. Brown is a very good player. Montejunas is a yeah, very good player, absolutely. and they they are able to to compete defensively. Now against the elite of the elite, they will they will always be mismatched against. And even if we think about their wings, Diallo is a very competent wing. Moneka is an energy player, and he's able to give them energy and athleticism off the bench in a reduced role. But none of them, if when you pick matchups against uh, the top teams, their wings will be always. Uh, in a, in a disadvantage and their front court will always be in a disadvantage not because they don't have quality players they do they just just don't have the pieces to be able to compete in those matchups and i even wonder in a matchup with a team like partisan i would favor monaco because i would think that monaco has the best players and the best decision makers on this game but i can see uh, lasort giving them some trouble i can see partisan defense and aggress- aggressivity being giving them some trouble and physicality giving them some trouble i still really enjoy monaco i think that they will end up as a top 5 team if they then then don't mess up any matchups that they need to win but um, I, I see what you're saying and I understand that uh, they are lacking some pieces but they are also looking to address that and we have heard rumors of uh, Tarpe, of Jaite and uh, they I see them as being a team that will stay in the EuroLeague for a long time and, and being on the playoffs for a long time and competing at a high sure, level sure. I just think for this year I think in order for them to to win a first round and get to the final four, uh, I think they got to secure home court advantage. I think that's their only option, because right now the matchup would be Fenerbahce four and Monaco five, and I really don't like that matchup for for Monaco. So, so maybe if they can secure home court, they have a chance. 
but it's going to be very hard. If I have to guess, the top three in the end will be Real Madrid, Barcelona and Fenerbahce and we will have Olympiacos, Monaco in a very interesting 4-5 uh, playoff matchup. See, in that matchup, I think Mo I, uh, Monaco should be praying to, to get Olympiacos. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think Zankov will be a bloody nightmare for them. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I just think that, like we said, uh, Olympiacos is lacking a go-to guy. Yeah. And Monaco has that. Not just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think in a close playoff series, I, I think Monaco could have the edge there because of their ability to score the ball at the end of games with Mike James, Elio Cobo, and Jordan Lloyd. Yeah, so in a I, in a close, I think that would be very interesting. In a in a close playoff series and in a close game, I absolutely agree with you. I just think that this will be the type of playoff I will still favor Olympiacos because I think they will be able to dominate the games, and uh, probably it wouldn't be a sweep, but I think they will the they will be able to dominate the games and end up winning the playoff series in the end. It would be a, a rematch from last year because they faced each other in the first round as well. It went to game five uh, with Olympiacos winning at home. So that's what I'm saying. If Monaco can get a home court advantage, which again, it, it will be very tough to get, uh, I think they have a chance. But if Olympiacos is the home team, then it's going to be very tough because we, we know what that crowd can do. Yeah. <laughs> And that energy, it's tough to, to overcome. Yeah. For Maccabi, this, this was a tough loss in the, for them in the standings. They are now outside the, the playoff spots. They are in ninth place with a 13-13 record. And... They are tied in terms of wins with FS, but like we said before, they, they have one game one game more than FS played. Their next game doesn't make things easier. It's against uh, the up-and-coming Fenerbahce that will probably already have Dorsey, but the game is in Tel Aviv, where Maccabi is a very strong team, so this might be uh, one of those make-or-break games for, for Maccabi. If they, they manage to get this win, it might be very important for their aspirations to, to get into the playoffs. Could we see a revenge game there? Because Dorsey has played for Maccabi. <laughs> yeah, I think they ended things in good terms, but uh, <laughs> he will be motivated to, to 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 perform well. I just wonder sometimes with those things, probably Dorsey will have a very reduced game on that, uh, a very yeah, yeah. reduced role on that game yeah. because it's, it will be his first game. So, and sometimes. Uh, Uh, integrating new players it, uh, in the, the short term does more damage than good but I think Fenerbahce is starting to play very very well and let's let's get to their game let's let's yeah. speak about Fenerbahce Fenerbahce had massive win against Virtus 104-72 the MVP of this game was Deshaun Pierre but uh, it could have been the whole Fenerbahce team because they were all very impressive and played a very good brand of basketball. Pierre had 20 points, three rebounds, two assists, one steal and two blocks. Motley was the, the second best player for Fenerbahce with 16 points, seven rebounds and, and two assists. Bellinelli was the best for the visitors with 18 points, two rebounds, three assists and one steal. It was an incredible dominant performance by Fenerbahce. They They showed their contender callers on this game and they showed the the, bas the level of basketball that they can play. I, I think we couldn't have asked for a, a better game for Bielitsa to, to have come back. It was easy for, for him to be able to get some, some reps. Fenerbahce defense was playing at a very high level. The, their ball sharing was on point. They were able to find easy shots and they ended the game with 20 for 40 from the three-point line. This was absolutely impressive and dominant. Listen, uh, I think 
shooting 50% from three while you shoot 40 threes, it's a very good way to, to secure some wins. It was the, the first time that the team did it on, on Euro. Yeah, that was their shooting performance in this game was just insane. Uh, they hit 23s. Man, that number is still bouncing in my head. It, it's crazy. Uh, they had 27 assists, so obviously they, they play very good basketball with Nick Kaladish uh, leading the way. Shout out Thiago. <laughs> <laughs> they they move the ball very well, and they just they have it's a tough combination to have. Like they have a a great roster with a great coach that has them playing great basketball. So on both sides too. So I think Fenerbahce is obviously a a, a main contender. Probably a top three contender in my eyes, top two maybe. The, they dominated this game from start to finish, and Virtus now uh, with twelve and fourteen, they could be looking at a, a very, a very hard task to to be able to make the playoffs. Obviously, they they will keep fighting. They they have veterans and guys who have been here, but it's going to be very tough for them. But for Fenerbahce, this is just a, a dominant win, and I'm happy to see Bielitsa back. I hope he can stay healthy because he's going to help this team a lot come playoff time. And you were speaking about Virtus' playoff aspirations and their next game is against Partizan. It's also another make-it-or-break-it game for them, for, for this team, and we are getting to that time of the season. To finish our recap of this game, I, I will just um, use Will Bukin's words on his post-game interview where, where he said that it started with defense. We were putting pressure on them, sharing the ball, and executing on offense. This sums up what Fenerbahce did in perfection on on this game they were absolutely yep. incredible next game we we had the team we picked winning but uh, for a smaller margin than maybe we would have expected but Aswell always puts up a fight especially on second halves Aswell scored 71 points and Real Madrid scored 75 points to get this win the MVP was your favorite Fabian Cassor he had 14 points four rebounds two assists and one steal let's just take a moment for you to to tell us why do you really enjoy to see Kasach playing? First of all, uh, I don't know why, but I just always loved watching left-handed players. Uh, I, I I loved Manu growing up, so that was kind of a, a a big influence for me. And my brother as well, being lefty, as you know, uh, I always loved left-handed players. And Kasach, I mean, he's just very good, like. He can shoot, he can drive. I think he's a smart player, uh, very high IQ. And I, I just love the way he plays. And I wish he could be uh, on another team. Obviously, with Real, he, he's a contender and all of that. But I, I, w- I, w- I wish I could see him in a, a more important role, in a bigger role, because I think he's capable of that. And he's just an, a, a very high level player I, I like him a lot this was just a show of what uh, what he's able to do and uh, how good he can be he's uh, he's he's a very influential piece for for this real madrid team he's now in a phase of his career i believe he's 34 years old yeah. uh, and uh, i'm certain that he will be happy to be getting a euroleague title or contending yeah. for it but uh, yes he he could have a much bigger role for for another team 
In this game, Real Madrid dominated the first half, going into the halftime with a 15-point lead. Asvel was able to fought hard in the, the second half, as they usually do at home, and they managed to get the game down to two points six, when the game score was 62-64. Real was able to step up, and they they managed to, to regain the control of the game. They dominated the pace of the game to, to be able to, to close the game with this win. Early in the game, we saw Asvel being unable to to shoot from three in the, the first half. They were they just managed to to score one three pointer, I believe. Is this something that this Asvel team needs to address to be able to compete? Because since they added Debost, their backcourt has been playing at an incredible level. They are not one of the elite teams; they are in the bottom, but they are able to fight against almost any team, especially at home. Do you think that the lack of three-point shooting is would be the key for this team to improve? I think it could be it could be a a part of it. Uh, I don't think it's just on that. I think they really need to address the those wings because they, they just need more talent on, on that team. Uh, obviously, they are a great team. They they play defense. And they they can keep uh, games close, but ultimately the other teams are just more talented, and I think that's where they that's where they lose the games, because as much as you fight and you play defense, you need guys to to put the ball in the basket, and obviously they have Nando Decolo, but other than that, I mean, some guys can show up some nights, but it's not consistent, you know. So yeah, I, I just think they they need to to improve on on the front court. Like Monaco, but it, obviously Monaco is on a different level. Um, and on this game, even though the the final score uh, could make it seem like it was a close game, uh, Asvel was up two nothing, and after that they never had the lead the rest of the game. So Real Madrid uh, showed that they were the better team from the start, and Asvel in the second half they they made a run. They they tried to counter that, but Real was able to hold on. And now we got we got to keep an eye for for Real Madrid because if Walter Tavares misses a few weeks, uh, I think it's a big blow for them because of, uh, I, you probably remember I had him in top five on my MVP list. Uh, I think it's very important for them, and I'm curious to see how they how they're going to operate without him. Do they go small ball? Do they play Poirier? Uh, I, I'm very curious to see. Yeah, it will be very interesting, and especially because of their next two games that are against Basconi and Valencia in the doubleheader that we are about to have. And then they will play against FS. So they will be playing three teams with a very high level of firepower. And I wonder uh, how they will adjust if uh, Walter Tavares needs to, to miss sometimes. I was I was now battling which game to to go to next because the last two games happened at the same time. If we should go with uh, Basconia blowout over Valencia or Milano surprising win, but let's leave Milano for last. <laughs> Basconia received and blew out Valencia with impressive 114.75. Homes was the MVP of the game with 24.6 rebounds, one steal, and one block. Darius Thompson performed at a very high level with 16 points, 3 rebounds and 11 assists. While for the visitors, Jared Harper had 15 points, 1 rebound and 2 assists. It was an incredible performance for Basconia, especially an incredible offensive performance for Basconia. But as I had mentioned before, for them the key 
is to be able to compete defensively. And they haven't been able to do it until the second half of this game, where they kept Valencia to only 27 points. How did you saw this game and were you impressed by Basconi? I think it's impossible not to be. <laughs> uh, I was shocked because... Um... In the preview, uh, both you and Thiago uh, went with Valencia to win this game. And uh, even though I picked Basconia, I obviously never expected a 40-point win because obviously they're two very good teams. They, they know each other. They play against each other a lot, obviously in the domestic competitions as well. Um, I predicted a revenge game for Penaroya, but to, to have his team score one, uh, 114 points and win by 40, also shooting 50% from three with uh, 13 made threes. I mean, it's just elite offense. Like they've shown that they are capable of doing uh, all of this year. Um, I expected a, a good game from Dublevich and that didn't happen at all. Um, the the boards, like uh, Basconia had 43 rebounds against 21 from Valencia. Uh, obviously, that has a lot to do with made shots and missed shots on each side, but it's such a big difference. And obviously that allowed Basconi to to have much more possessions and, and to win that game by 40 points. The the assist numbers also, 23 to 12. Darius Thompson was a big part of that. He played at a very high level with 16 points and 11 assists. And then Holmes with 24 was also very good. Basconi just had many contributions from many different players and this was just dominance. Uh, I did not mm-hmm. expect this. Uh, I I wanted them to win. Uh, I picked them to win, but never in my wildest dreams <laughs> did I think it was going to be a 40-point blowout. Yeah, and they did it with uh, a player like uh, Marcus Howard being in foul trouble in the game, so it's another weapon that they could Yeah, and I forgot use. to mention that. Yeah, I forgot it's... to mention that. They scored 114 and won by 40 with Marcus Howard not scoring a single point. Yeah, it's that's it's, very impressive. It is, it is. <laughs> like, uh, if they can play at this level, uh, well, I don't think it's possible to play <laughs> at this level. But if they can play close to this level, they for sure will be a playoff team, and for sure will give us some interesting playoff matchups. <laughs> and we will end this recap with a very surprising but uh, deserved win of Milano over Olympiacos, 83-62. The MVP of the game was Billy Barron with 18 points, 2 rebounds, 5 assists and 2 steals. Tunut had another very good game for Milano with uh, 7 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists and 2 steals. Sasha Vzankov was the best for the Olympiacos with 10 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists and 2 blocks. This was a, an impressive performance by Milano. They came into the game with intensity. They they caused many turnovers on Olympiacos. Milano kept building their, on their momentum. They are now with uh, a four-winning streak. They had a dominant performance on both sides of the floor and uh, they were deserved winners, even if surprising ones on this game. The fence was the key for Milano and we saw Olympiacos struggling against their intensity, their ability to show them size and physicality. What do you have to say about this surprising Milano performance and their current momentum? Can they still dream with playoffs or they will just be a nightmare to, to face the rest of the way? Uh, this was definitely definitely the surprise of the week for me. Um, I, I I picked Olympiacos to win, um, but I I I could see a scenario well where where Milano could get the win, uh, 
but never did I expect it to be a 20-point blowout because obviously we know how good Olympiacos is. Uh, Napier just makes this team much better, man. They've been playing good basketball lately. Um, it, it just sucks that they only had him uh, this late. Um, I do not think they can still make the playoffs. They are, I think they are too far far behind. And they still have some tough games ahead. Nah, I don't see that being possible. Even though they are, they have been playing very good, and they could they could win any game. I think uh, Napier gives them that that ability because uh, everybody's been playing better since they got Napier. Uh, he gets the rest of the guys involved, and obviously he can score as well for him uh, by himself. So it was a very good win by them, and a very good, a bad loss for Olympiacos because. They they've been the best team throughout the year, so maybe they deserve a pass now. Like <laughs> they obviously can lose some games as well, but uh, they're still a top three team. They they should be in very good spirits with the the playoffs approaching. But I, I did not expect a twenty point blowout. Like yeah. no way. Uh, it's like Coach Messina said. It was a very good night for us, and uh, also an off night from Olympiacos. And all the good teams have those. So. Yeah. It doesn't take nothing away from what Olympiacos is doing in this uh, in this season of the Euroleague. Milan was incredible, and for me, the key stat from this game was the 31, 31 points of turnovers that uh, that Milan was able to to get. Their their defense really allowed them to to get many easy baskets, and with one game less, they are one win behind the Red Star and uh, able to to tie with Red Star if they they win the, the game that they are missing. It won't be a, a easy one against uh, one of the Turkish teams, but um, the Milan is will for sure be a team that will be able to to put up a fight against everyone. And uh, let's end this episode by asking you how important is the news that uh, Shields and Pangos are about to to return for this team? Uh, I think it's very important, uh, especially with the injury of Devon Hall. Um, I think Shields uh, will give them the that scoring option at the at the three uh, i think that they've been lacking a bit a little bit of size in that position uh, with him being out and pangush i mean he would obviously be a, a starting point guard anywhere but with napier i i probably have him coming off the bench and that's that's a luxury to have uh, a player like pangush coming off the bench to to control the pace to to lead your offense uh, off the bench is very good so Maybe they can keep winning some games and surprise us all. Like I, I don't think it's going to happen, but they have a really good roster. and It was just about figuring it out on the court, and they've been doing that lately. So I, ho- I hope they can continue. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, Milan will be one of the top performing teams the rest of the way in the early. The path for them to get to the playoffs is very hard. They will need to be almost perfect and maybe winning all of their games the rest of the way, what is extremely hard, if not impossible, to do. But uh, we will keep an eye on them and we will be bringing everything that happens on the EuroLeague to, to you guys. This was another European Hoops episode. Make sure you tune in Monday when we will be previewing all the action of Round 27, reminding everybody that uh, this is a doubleheader of the EuroLeague this week. We will have uh, two rounds happening during this week. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and follow us on Twitter at Etos EuroLeague, where we bring you any news that break about the competition, our daily picks, must-watch games, injury reports, and 
our daily trades in the end of each day of the competition, bringing you all the highlights of all the action. My name is Andre, and I'll be seeing you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you on next episode.